we were all affected by Hurricane Sandy, right? First Hurricane Irene comes around, the storm, you know, it only comes around one, one, you know, every century, right? And then the year after that, it's like, well, here's another storm that only comes every century. And if you remember the chaos, maybe you've put it out of your mind already, but if you remember the chaos, Hurricane Sandy is what brought about that gas shortage, because those gas trucks couldn't get to where we all lived, Right? It was amazing to see and experience the panic that we all lived under during that time. It felt, probably felt like months, right? Maybe only lasted like, you know, two, three weeks before like gas was kind of beginning to be normal around here. But it felt like months. I was in the same panic, just like you. I was in the same panic. So I had my cheap little car then that like literally felt like you could drive like 120 miles on like one tank of gas. And Carrie had her Honda Civic. Carrie's Honda Civic had gotten down to about half. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're in dire straits right now. We're not going anywhere. Everything is closed. I have a tank, half tank of gas, but I need to be full, right? Everyone was like, oh my gosh, I have like 15 gallons in my car, but we need to be full. It's not enough. So I go to the gas station down in Midland Park, huge line right, line that wraps around, you know, two, three streets, and I, I get in the back of this line, and all right, I'm waiting in line, got to get Carrie, you know, she's, she's not going anywhere, but I got to get gas in her car, necessary, panicked, we're all waiting in line, must have waited an hour and a half, right, pulling up slowly, inch by inch by inch by inch, finally get to the gas station, pull in, they want me to do something weird and maneuver my car around, flip it around or whatever, so I do, pull back in. The guy says, you can fill up. Great. I look up, cash only. Right? I'm a millennial. We don't carry cash. Everything is plastic. So I said, all right. I reach in my pocket. I got $13. We all know what was happening with gas at that time. $13 doesn't give you a lot. So I say, $13. The guy says, no, no, you can, you can fill up. Cash only, right? Cash only. $13. <laughs> I look at my gas gauge. That's interesting. The gas doesn't really look like it's any more than when I actually first got in the back of this line that I was waiting on for about an hour and a half to two hours. Panicked. For absolutely no reason. I wasted $13 and almost two hours of my life sitting and waiting. Man, I really wish this guy would have taken credit. Right? You and I, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we allow it to be truth or not, we live under this false impression of scarcity. Everything in our lives is scarce. We drive nice cars, there's scarcity. There's never any food in our house, but at any point, you open that pantry and uh, you could make yourself easily a five-course meal. But there's nothing to eat in this house. Amen? Amen? I was probably there three times this past week. There's nothing to eat. Tons of stuff in my pantry. 
How many back-to-school sales have we seen already? There's like three weeks, right? Back-to-school's been going on for like a month. There's three weeks left in the summertime. We had Memorial Day sale. You had, you know, halfway through the year sale, trying to get rid of all the summer stuff that they can't get rid of because everybody's now thinking about the fall. Labor Day sale, Labor Day sale's coming up. Back-to-school sale. After that, all the holiday stuff. When is there ever not a sale? Right? You turn on your TV. Every single commercial break, there is a car dealership that is having a sale. But you better act fast because it won't last forever. Yeah, right. (laughs) We live under this false notion that scarcity is a part of our lives and we've allowed it to creep into our spiritual journeys. You and I, numerous times in our lives, have come to a place where we believe that that's how God is with us. That we sit in this line with everybody else waiting an hour and a half, two hours, three hours for God to actually hear us. And when we get there, the sign says cash only. We're like, oh man. I'm coming to God and I don't have the funds to make this transaction take place. We live under the false notion of scarcity that we have to claw and fight and beg and do all this stuff so that God can actually turn a listening ear to us. And maybe, just maybe, he'll actually answer our request. Can I get an amen? We've all been there. Open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. That's pound, it's, uh, if you have the blue Bible, it's found on page 706. Looking for verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Page 706 says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about sanctification. Let's try to catch up to speed those that weren't here last Sunday. What is sanctification? Does anyone remember? Separated from sin. Very nice. You were paying attention. What else? Separated from sin. To be separated. What was that? To God. Only one. Run with it. (laughs) Sanctification. To be separated from sin but even more so to be separated to God and for the purposes of God. 
right? You can go on the next slide, Mark. Sanctification, separation of sin, separation to God and God's purposes. Number two, closing the gap between what I confess to be true of God and how, and how I live that truth out. So we say another way where we kind of make it a little more simple is sanctification is this process of closing the gap. There's something that I internally believe about God. I actually confess this truth about God, but how I actually live out my life, those are two different things. And sanctification is closing the gap between what I actually confess about God is how I actually go about living my life. So if I believe that God is good and God is great, my life actually shows this. Sanctification is not perfection, not self-improvement. You can't do it on your own. It's not having this list of do's and don'ts that you follow exactly perfectly. And when you accomplish this list and these tasks, then you're sanctified. No, that's not how it works. It's not perfection and it's not self-improvement. Next slide. This was our verse that we focused on last week. In a word, what I am saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives toward you. Sanctification is the process of growing up. It's the process of maturing. It's the process of becoming whole. We talked about this last week. Last slide. Why sanctification? Because it's part of our identity. It's who God has created us to be. Jesus desires that we grow up, that we mature, that we become whole. And hopefully last week this left you with some questions. I I talked to a number of you and you had more questions about this. How does this happen? What does it look like? What starts to take place in my life? What are the things I should be asking God or not asking God? All good stuff. But let's go back to the passage here. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. You can see the progression that, take pl- that takes place here. It says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. So in this first part, we're, ra- we're, we're, we're grasping, b- before you have like a, a, a spiritual meltdown, okay, we do God in the bar here, all right? So this is not a passage of like, you know, don't drink and blah, blah, blah. And okay, that's, that's what the Christian life's all about, not drinking. No, that's not what he's saying here. What Paul is writing about is don't allow yourself to be wrapped in the thing that steals life away from you. Being drunk on wine is being out of control. So when we're drunk, we're out of control. And so what Paul's saying is, saying, he's saying, don't be out of control. Don't lose your mind. Don't ruin your life. Think wisely. Act wisely. Don't be thoughtless with your life. Stay away from the things that bring your life down. Again, last week we talked about how the Christian life is not supposed to be one of kill, like a killjoy thing. That's not what God is interested in. God is not interested in restraining. But God is very much about the work of bringing freedom. So in this first part he says, don't, think, don't act 
thoughtlessly. Don't live like this. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Two ways to look at it. One way is the way that we tend to look at this. How many of you fill up your tank of gas at least once a week? What kind of cars do you guys drive? <laughs> Twice a week? <laughs> <clears throat> we attribute filling of the Spirit to filling our tank of gas. It's one and the same, right? We, we come to God because we just we need a little hit. We need a, a pick-me-up. Sunday comes and, 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 and we get full. We leave here. We, we feel great. We feel happy. We're excited for what God wants to do. But come Wednesday or Thursday, we, we're struggling. That same joy, that same excitement is just not present anymore. And so we're with our missional community, and our missional community makes us feel great. And we feel awesome. And then it's the weekend, and we're struggling through. Work was tough. Family's crazy. I can't rest. I can't sleep. I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, I can't wait till Sunday comes around again. And so, so Jesus can fill up my tank because I'm going to need it for especially this coming week because it's grueling and it's tiring and it's tough. And that's how we view God. We view God like a gas pump. Oh God, I'm, I'm running on empty. Fill me up one more time. Oh, it's only Monday. I'm wiped out. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. God, a, li- a little bit. Bring me to a quarter level at least. Just let me, let me grind out this week. Oh, man. Sunday came and went. I didn't like the songs. Omar, Rob, Jeremy, they had nothing good to say. I got nothing. No tank. I don't know what's going to pull me out of this mess. And we experience the Christian life in this way. Is that what God actually has for us? Is it to claw and to struggle and to try to make it through every day, every week? Man, I, I just got to hold on as long as possible. And then, and then heaven will come and I can sing worship songs you know, for eternity and it'll be great and I'll get wings and maybe I'll get to play a harp because I wasn't musical on this earth but maybe when I get up there I can play a mean guitar just like Josh and be a part of the band because I can't do it now. Maybe then. We've been there, right? I mean, that's, that's what we believe. Week to week, God, fill me up. Month to month, God, man, this life's tough. It's terrible. Can't make it. It's not what this is talking about here. It's not the feeling that Paul talks about. 
here in, in verse 18, when he says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is not a quantitative measure of the Holy Spirit where it's full and empty and everywhere in between. Three quarters, half, quarter, three eighths, seven eighths. That's not what we're talking about today. That's not the life that God has said He would give to us when we followed Him. The filling of the Holy Spirit here is a qualitative type. When you, when you, when you think about someone on the flip side, when you say someone is full of evil, you don't think in your mind that this person has 20 acts of evil to do. And at some point, those 20 acts of evil will be done and that person will no longer be evil. That's not how we think about that when we say this person is full of evil. We think the core at, at the nature of someone, this person is just evil. And that's all that this person kind of throws out of their life onto others. It's that same type of fullness. It's that same type of illustration that is present here. It's not a quantitative type. It's about quality. Paul says here, instead, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be dominated by the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not live, th- live thoughtlessly. Do not live unwisely. Be full of God's Spirit. Allow your life to be controlled and dominated by the Spirit of God. That is sanctification. That's when you know you have been sanctified. Again, we're not talking here about salvation. That's something that Jesus has already taken care of. Okay? Salvation is us coming to a place where we know we need rescuing. Sin separates us from God. I can't have a relationship with God if sin is in the way and it's been undealt with and unresolved. I need rescuing. And so Jesus comes and he rescues us through his life, death, and resurrection. But here we're talking about sanctification. Here we're talking about, when we talk about that full life, living out that life that God has for us, this is what we're talking about. A life that is full of the Holy Spirit. A life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. We were just singing about this. Make us aware of your presence. Let us experience your glory. If you and I continually live in this place of scarcity, in this mindset of scarcity, we will never experience the fullness of His glory. We will never be aware of His presence. Why? Because we are, minim- we are scarce and God is a minimalist. Hear me out. When we live with this mindset of scarcity, God is a minimalist. God only has so much gas to give to us. And I have to beg so hard for that gas to come. And if I, if I say the right thing, if I pray the right thing, if I do the right thing, then God, maybe God, will give me what I'm asking Him to give me. That is not the life that He has for you. If that, was, if that were true, then what, he, then what Jesus said in, in John 10.10, 10, 
that He's come to give life in all of its abundance is a lie. Struggling and clawing through life, I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. Amen? Amen. God is a minimalist. That's what we believe. And we get the crumbs. That's how we live our lives. And here's the great news. Other than repenting, there's nothing left for you to do. Other than turning away from that lie and embracing the truth that God is good, that He is great, that He gives us an abundant life, there's nothing left for you to do. Because sanctification is about your own self-improvement and your own self-work to better your life. Sanctification is about what God wants to do in us and through us. But we need to stop believing that this Christian life and this Christian journey is about scarcity. No. The truth is that, is that it's about abundance. And that God is not a little God. And that God is not a minimalist. And that God actually really has abundance for you and for me. Does this mean that we won't come ac- across hard times? No, that's not what it means. Does this mean that we, we won't stop struggling? No, that, that's not what it means. But, if we are full of the Holy Spirit, then we will experience His glory. And if we are full of the Holy Spirit, we will become aware of His presence continually in our lives, leading us forward. Close up here with this last portion of Scripture. Verse 18. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A life that has been sanctified is a life that is full of gratitude and generosity. It's interesting to me that Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. When he says to grow up and to mature, a sign of that growing up and being mature is to live a life that's generous, a life that's grateful. And here again it comes up for Paul. A life that is thankful and grateful for all the things that God has given us. Okay. Let me bring this thing into clarity here now. Jesus desires for us to have a sanctified life. Jesus, God, is not a minimalist. Some of us need to repent that salvation is enough. That salvation is enough for you and for me. That we're covered just because Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us. It's all good. He died on the cross for my sins. I believe who He is. And that's great for me. That's enough for me. We need to repent of this. That's a scarcity mindset. 
It's living in scarceness for what God has for us and what he's called us to. Sanctification, you got to pay attention to this. Sanctification is God wanting all of you and all of me. Everything. Every nook, cranny, crack, crevice, every single aspect and portion is what God desires. He desires for us to be separated from sin so that we can be separated to God and for the purposes of God. This is what God desires. Nothing less. You know why? God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. He will have nothing more. He will have no one else in his place except for him in my life and in your life. That's sanctification. Separation from sin. Why? Because God can only use us so much, to be perfectly honest. When we're living a life of sin, when we have other gods, when we submit ourselves to money, to people-pleasing, to security and stability in our own way, to self-achievement and self-improvement, we cannot serve God properly, wholly, amazingly in this way. We can't. And he's going to have none of it. God is not a minimalist. You, you, You want the hardcore, like, abundance thing? God is not a minimalist in what he's asking of us. He wants everything, every part, our finances, our relationships, our work ethic, our jobs, how we bless people, how we love our neighbors, how we love God. God will have nothing less. Some of you are freaked out, and it's awesome. Amen? God will have nothing less. He is a jealous God. And that's not me trying to, like, now you got to show up on Sundays every, every Sunday and make sure you're at missional community every week and make sure you're tithing. That has nothing to do with me. If that's what you're hearing and that's what you're being afraid of, that's your deal. You need to wrestle that through with God. But God will have nothing less. Nothing less. Salvation is not the end. It is just the start to this beautiful, amazing, abundant life that God is more than willing to give to us. Amen? The sanctified life. He is not a minimalist. He wants it all. And in return, he will give fully, holy himself to us. We want God. He is more than happy to give everything to us, give all of himself to us. But we have to come to a place where there is full surrender in our lives, where we as a church family and as a church body, first and foremost, look to be controlled by the Spirit of God in all of our lives. See, when we wrestle with sin, it's not a behavioral issue that you have. It's not a behavioral problem you have. It's an identity crisis. Not being sanctified, that's an identity crisis. We're not living out what God has created us to live out, how he's created us to live it out, to live out this life. When we're not sanctified, the reality is we're struggling with who God 
has created us to be. That's the truth of it. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. The kingdom begs you to grow up. God begs you, grow up. He begs me, grow up. Stop living this childish life full of excuses, waiting for somebody to to hand you something spiritually all the time. Stop. Enough. God doesn't want to do that anymore. He was never in the business of that. It's not a contract. This is not a contractual thing. He doesn't give because we give and back and forth and how much. It doesn't work like that. It's not a contractual relationship. That's horrifying to God. This is all about covenant. He views us as sons and and daughters of him. And a son and a daughter of him. He's willing to give everything to us. But he wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to stop making excuses for why we live a sinful life. He wants us to stop making excuses for why we don't love our neighbors as ourselves. That's another thing. Loving our neighbors. We talk about this all the time. A lot of us can probably say, like, "I, I love my neighbor. I love my neighborhood. I love my neighbor. Care about him. But how many of us, like, actually love our neighbor as ourselves? We say we love our neighbor, and that only goes so far in our minds. We're willing to do this, but we're not, maybe not, we're not willing to do that. Love our neighbor as ourselves. God wants us to grow up in every facet, every imaginable way. So let's do that. For this coming fall, for the rest of the summer, for the rest of this fall, and into the new year, let's be a church that's deciding that we're going to grow up, that we're going to mature, that daily we're going to seek after God for sanctification, that we're going to pray for that. We talked about that last week. How does sanctification come? We pray for it. We seek it. We come to a place where we say, we need to be sanctified. We need to be sanctified. There's sin in my life. God doesn't have every crack and crevice of my life. I'm still holding on. I'm still grabbing hold of my world, my kingdom. I'm still trying to build up my life to how I want it to look. God wants us to grow up from all of that, from all of that sin. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to communion. Jeremy's going to come up. He's going to lead some communion. The bank can come up too. Here's what we're going to do. Marie gave us a word this morning that we're gonna, we're, we're, we want to believe in the miracles. We want to believe in the miraculous. We've been a church that's been all about that. We want to believe that God is about the miraculous, that he wants to do that. Here's the thing. There's a couple of people that are going to be over behind the screen over here praying for us. Marie and Ted, right? Catherine. Where are you guys at? Yes? Hi. You guys can go over there now. Catherine too. Thank you. We're going to believe God for the miraculous. But here's, here's where it starts. We want to believe God for healing. So if you're struggling here, you need healing, you need, you need a touch from God, then, then come over behind the screen over here. Come find uh, these ladies and, and Ted. And they're going to be more than willing to pray for whatever needs you have. But we want to pray for the miraculous. And here's where the miraculous really comes into view for me. Where in your life 
are you still holding on to your life, your money, your finances? If you need to come to God and say, I need to let go of that, I need to release that, then we want you to pray. Come, get communion, be blessed, and then go pray. Some of us here are still dealing with unforgiveness. We haven't forgiven ourselves. We haven't forgiven people in our lives. We haven't forgiven God. Let's believe God for the miraculous that today he's going to set you free from the bondage of unforgiveness. Amen? So you're going to come. You're going to take communion. You're going to do that whole thing. And then you're going to go ask, go pray that you need forgiveness to come, that you need to grant someone forgiveness. We want to believe in the miraculous. Maybe you're someone here that on the exterior, you're, you're, you're really good. You're a really good-looking Christian. You're an awesome-looking Christian. People look at you and they're like, man, you're so happy, you're so joyful, but deep down inside, you know you're dying. Let's believe God for the miraculous and go get some prayer for that. Confess that what's happening internally and how you live life is completely disconnected from the truth of who God is. Let's believe in the miraculous today. Pray, ask for healing. Awesome. Let's pray for that. We want to pray for that. But deep down in our hearts, there is more. Maybe deep down in your soul, you're a rageful individual. And God can only use you so much because of your anger and your rage. Go get prayer for that. Maybe you drink too much. Go get prayer for that. Maybe you smoke too much. Go get prayer for that. Maybe you gossip way too much. And you're, you're a source of division amongst your friends and your families. God wants to do the miraculous and he wants to lift that off of you. Go get prayer for that. Maybe you're someone here and you live with an impure heart. You hate within your soul. Let's believe God for the miraculous that he's going to fill you with love that's not going to be full and by the end of the week you're going to have nothing left to give anybody. Let's believe that he's going to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're someone that the reality is you're just not sanctified and you know it. At the core in your soul you are not sanctified and you need prayer for sanctification. Go get prayer. That's what we're here for. So this morning is a morning about being released. Let's be set free from the sin that weighs us down, just like it talks about in Hebrews. This sin that so easily entangles. The sin that causes chaos in our souls. Let's ask for prayer to be freed from that so that God can use us fully. Amen? Amen.